bitches bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Amy. I'm Erica. And we're back with Misogynist of the Week. And yeah. So I think a, a, fan, a fan favorite, there's certainly a lot to discuss this week. We're <laughs> naming uh, Shane Gillis, Misogynist of the Week. You may better know him as the racist hire of uh, Saturday Night Live recently. So here it goes. Shane Gillis is one of the three people hired recently to Saturday Night Live. It's been a little bit, a bit of a minute now since since they named the new cast members. It's always done with a lot of fanfare. It's a big moment. Uh, you know, comedians all over the country are scouted and audition. It's you know anyone who is tied to any of these sort of like comedy circles or listens to comedy podcasts or has watched. Um, some you know there's a lot of movies and folklore around the Saturday Night Live hiring. It's a really big deal. And part of the announcement was the historic lore, and that's Bowen Yang. And he is uh, popular from his uh, co-host Las Culturistas, which is a super fun podcast that I, I do listen to from time to time. And you know he's appeared on Broad City, and he's uh, done a lot of uh, who has been hired who. Uh, in the end, turned out to be a bit of a diversity hire himself, uh, hired to appeal to conservative viewers, uh, was the rationale that Saturday Night Live ultimately gave. But Shane Gillis is a 31-year-old stand-up comedian who uh, is, was uh, also had his own podcast. Uh, I guess Saturday Night Live didn't look too closely at what his podcast was about or what his comedic history was about. And it turned out that from the second, essentially, that he was hired, there were clips circulating, uh, clips from his own podcast from September 2018, and then some from as recently as May 2019, using racial slurs to refer to Asian people, um, and using very homophobic language, um, and then again, a racial slur against Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang. Um, not part of jokes, not anything to do with his own humor, uh, which is what people use to justify this, but just saying racial slurs and homophobic comments left, right, and center. Um, and so after a lot of backlash, Saturday Night Live stepped in and finally said, within the show, and we hired Shane on the strength of his talent as a comedian and his impressive audition. We were not aware of his prior remarks uh, that have surfaced over the past few days. The language he used is offensive, hurtful, and unacceptable, and we are sorry we did not use standard. A lot of issues with vetting lately. A lot of white people getting, <laughs> getting a pass. But, yeah, because they're not police like we are, so of course they're going to get a pass. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been the real revelation, right? Like, I don't think it would have been very hard. Literally, May 2019, you announced this in August. You couldn't have heard a podcast from May 2019 where he says, I can't even, like, it's like, I wouldn't even say this word anywhere that I can't even repeat it to you, but go look it up if you want to know what a racial slur for Asian people that he used against a presidential candidate that Bowen Yang is probably going to have to play in the next season of SNL. Like, this is the Those other are thing. the layers. No, but... Those like, are in, all the layers. Totally. They don't vet people, and they're, like, inviting them into a work environment to inflict potential harm and damage 
to colleagues and other racialized people. That's a white SNL. Really? Terrible. 2019? What, bitch, what the fuck? It, it doesn't, it doesn't make any, absolutely any sense. So, look, there's so many ways we can talk about this issue. One, the vetting process. One, SNL being historically a white space. Kind of consider, um, you know, I mean, anyway, there's a lot of ways. There's also the Andrew Yang of it all, which is that. Oh, I'm getting to that. Yeah. Since we've, since we've talked about, you know, like. Brown people internalizing racism. Yeah, Andrew Yang. Okay, so Shane Gillis didn't look up. Oh, I know what it is. I don't know what it it's is. It's literally just the racial slur. Okay. There's nothing more. Okay, I can imagine. It's I'm not, good. It's not good. I've had enough trauma this week with you racism. Don't I don't need to add to it. So, um, <coughs> Yang advocate for racist ideas or ideologies, unquote. How the fuck do you know that? How do you know that, first of all? And second of all, why is that your A, number one, quick, B, response? Because why should you be quick about it and you don't need to give a response? Well, I mean, the fact that he was named individually, I can see why he had was asked. But this is the same thing that there's this pressure um, to kind of absolve these people. And, and, and it may be that Andrew Yang wasn't offended. I mean, he goes on to tweet, and I'll, also, I won't, I'll let you get to the, the good stuff, but at one point, he, you know, he replies, and he says, I've been called a, a blank and a blank. I'm not even, I can't even, like, I would never. That's okay. That, you can look him up. And any number of times in my life, it's been extraordinarily hurtful to feel like you are somehow not part of uh, the only country you've ever known. I certainly felt that. The churning sensation of alienation, anger, and marginalization. And then he says, but for the record, I don't think he should lose his job. We have all job. Like, he will go on. But but then Andrew Yang decides to, to go on and uh, say, so you want me to, to read the next one? And shuck and jive? Let's hear what shucking and jiving sounds like in 2019. Well, he goes on to say, and this takes a different turn, right? So he says, it's also the case that anti-Asian racism is particularly virulent because it somehow could have been harder harsher so I, sure enough he didn't lose his job so by the way i listened to this podcast called yo is this racist i love and, that podcast okay good 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 I so, so do i so do i okay you guys like honestly they literally go through like you could leave a voicemail with them and ask them about your racial situation <laughs> and whether or not it's racist and they might respond so, because that's that's basically part of the it's show. The best call it is the show best. <laughs> it is a call-in show. It is awesome. Yovis is racist. Andrew T and uh, Tawny Newsom. Tawny Newsom. Yes. So, I got really into it this summer, and it's actually quite lighthearted. Yeah. It's quite funny. But they're, he, they're both comedians. He, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that explains everything. Um, and so I think that so he has talked about Andrew Yang. And has talked about a lot and has talked about the internalized racism of Andrew Yang and has a whole thing about it. But this is one of those examples where he's playing up to this model minority myth and he is basically throwing other people of color under the bus to do it. And so I just want to say that um, I don't want to leave this idea of 
oh, we're all racist, it's fine. What I'm trying to say is that we all react to this structure that we've totally, been taught. Totally. And I think, like, Andrew Yang, like, there's, there is a little bit of nuance in what he's saying. He clearly is struggling with what to say. And the day before he made those comments, he replied to Shane McGillis, had tweeted a post saying, I'm a comedian. This is uh, Shane McGillis's first public remark before he was canned. It says, I'm a comedian who pushes boundaries. I sometimes miss. If I go through 10 years of comedy, most of it is bad. You're going to find a lot of bad misses. I'm happy to apologize to anyone who I actually offended by anything I've said. My intention is never to hurt anyone. We know that that doesn't matter. Your intention doesn't matter, especially if you don't understand your actions as being racist. You would not know your intention. But uh, I think we need to underscore that point, Amy. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, your intentions literally do not matter. I don't give a shit about your intentions. Yeah. I give a shit about the effect and the result. Yeah. That's what it okay. And uh, so does the law, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Andrew Yang does reply to that and says, I prefer comedy that makes people think and doesn't take cheap shots, but I'm happy to sit down on public figures who are racialized and like, you know, like the Jagmi example where, you know, you have to take, you're the one who has to go and be the, and build the, be the peacemaker and have the conversation, have the heart to heart. And, you know, as Jagmeet said, I'll meet with Trudeau in private. I want to tell, I want to explain to him the nuances of what he did and what the harm is. And it's like, that's great. And that's leadership in a sense, because that's, you know, Jagmeet stepping up and he's in a position where he is there to lead. But it's like, that's, only will it ever fall on racialized people to do that and it's really it's hard and it's heavy and it's obviously personal and the expectations are so great mm-hmm. that the weight on them is like it's like you know it's the emotional yeah. labor it's immense it's immense and <coughs> you know i you know i i think during these times that um like i said we go through layers and layers of consciousness and relating to this, these issues mm-hmm. to these events Mm-hmm. And just because you felt one way yesterday doesn't mean that you are bound by that. And I think that's very important to say because, you know, nobody could tell you, well, you were fine with it yesterday. What's the big deal? Nobody mm-hmm. could tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Gillis hiring, too, I mean, it has obviously sparked this conversation around comedy and, like, what is good comedy and, and who's police can and who's we, not. Can we start a... a, a, a let, me, let me just say this. Around this hiring, this is... Is this... Is all of these... All of these... Um, all of these scared little institu- big institutions that fear a quote-unquote being accused of a liberal bias uh, harm to other people. Not thinking that you are responsible for creating a safe work environment. Mm-hmm. That is... I-, I would love to see the lawsuit that, that challenges what a safe work environment is with the addition of these assholes. See that. But but the point is, is that this is now like the affirmative action hire. Carry on. I mean, let's not forget that SNL briefly had to have Fred Armisen, who is mixed race, but definitely not black, play <laughs> Barack Obama for a hot minute because they had no black yeah. male actors on their show. Oh, I forgot members. about that. Yeah, it was yeah. like a hot second, and then they brought Jay Farrow in. And Jay Farrow didn't last long, and there's probably a reason why, because they couldn't write shit for him. Yeah. They didn't know how to write shit for yeah. him. No one cared yeah. to write characters for Jay Farrow. But that is about how people were fired, but no one told them. Like, Lorne Michaels won't call you to tell you you're fired. 
find out about it from Deadline or some shit. I feel like that's very Canadian. No, but it's a very fucked up work environment. It's like kind of, it's already sort of toxic. Yeah. But you still can, as a comedian, to to be there, to appear there, to host. And it's actually like one of the worst workplaces. Um, And really, you know, and obviously terrible for all these other, for the, for certain people rather in particular. Exactly. but yeah, I mean, this whole backlash to, yeah, wanting to cre- not seem as quote-unquote having a liberal bias, like, I think it's kind of ironic, right, um, a few people have already commented on this, that wants to appeal to conservatives, it always turns into something racist, you know, like, and it's like, why is that? Is it, And it may yeah. be that the caricature of what we think conservatives like is racist, or simply that they're... The, that Venn diagram is we're using it to excuse certain things yeah. and then using conservatives as a scapegoat. I don't know. I think it's all of those it's all things. Of those. Above. It's complicated, right? And, and it's, but like it's the Roseanne yeah. thing. Like yeah. giving Roseanne a show after everything she's said and done. It's like you could have given, you could do Roseanne and do it from like a family, like bring it back. But Roseanne was never a show for conservatives, it was always a show for working class liberals. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh. but they wanted to give Roseanne proper, Roseanne who she is, a, a platform because now she was a, the voice piece of the right. And we know how that turned out. Um, it, I, I'm, still at the, I'm still at your previous comment about Roseanne being for working class liberals. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was always about, like, about class. It was always, it was always about, about class. class. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were like... You know, there were conversations around so many, so, like... So, so let's pick up on that. Cool labor pieces, right? Like, yeah. But act, let's pick up act. on that. And let's pick up on what the work... Who makes up the working class. Because I think also what is what is being done is... You, just like how we talked about conflating immigrants with people of color. Mm-hmm. Is what happens a lot here. Mm-hmm. We can working class yeah. with white people. Yeah. And... At the end of the day, I'm not even sure if majority of the working class. No, and we do conflate working class with conservatives, and they're all and these, conservatives. All these, yeah. you know, polls that are well, low income voters are mostly conservative, and a lot of those polls, the margin is like one or two, like a two percent difference. And you're like, well, it's kind of a toss up. Yeah, and it doesn't like to me that doesn't necessarily matter. I think that they're they're pretty even split, but there are a lot of a lot of the the in you know, a lot of the principles behind a lot of social justice work aren't coming from the top down. That's a conservative narrative that allows us to think that liberal programs of universal pharmacare, health care, are liberal, from latte sipping liberals on the elite coast that come up with these programs. This is, like Amer- to use the American vernacular yeah. of, like, how they talk the about elites. the coastal elites. Mm-hmm. It's actually not true. A lot of the origin of a lot of social programs and social, like social progressive movements, are from you know communities like Detroit and you know Philadelphia and like working class communities in possible and yes maybe more so urban centers, but actually even like a lot of the you know Canada. This a lot of it has been rural. Yeah, a lot of it has been farmers collectives. Exactly. I I really want to like the bank like banks from seizing their property and like I mean that's the history of it. I I I really want to really start pushing against the conventional wisdom and really unpacking that. And this is exactly this. This assumption and these assumptions that we make. Go ahead. Mm. 
this is some I got another one. <laughs> this assumption that we make about um, who these people are because an ABC poll yesterday <coughs> doesn't even prob- properly ask the right yeah. question because I see the question. I've heard the questions on the quips. Yeah. And they're just there to produce reels so that they can then repurpose it for other shows. Yeah. And people use a lot of the wrong markers. I mean, I'm kind of thinking about there was a poll that sort of went viral and there were just different discussions about what, what it said. And there were some very elitist and classist things said by liberals and people on the left. Uh, one person in particular who got lambasted for it, for saying, oh, well, look. The people who vote conservative are clearly idiots because they don't have college because it's a mirror. That's inaccurate. I know. It was some bullshit. I was like, that is so classic. It's such toxic nonsense that you're spewing. But also, literally, like, what does a university degree get you? Because I'm surrounded by bigots and, like, (laughs) you know, like, what does that mean? Play with these different things and they're, it's all, um, it's all baseless, but it is funny that when you're saying we want to create a show that will appeal to conservatives, the first thing you do is hire this fuzz. You should listen to the po- episodes of the podcast. This fuck is going to bite me in the ass real <laughs> This woman told the prime minister to go fuck himself on multiple occasions. Well, whatever. Like respectability politics will always bite me in the ass and I don't give a fuck. Um, but, I mean, this is... He's complaining about a so-called cancer culture when none of these people are actually cancelled. No, so Shane McGillis uh, went on the next, you know, pretty much the couple days after being canned and did his show. Um, and it sold out. And it sold out and he got standing ovations and people loved him. It was, like, last Wednesday. So his first show after getting... You know, I do want everyone to know that I've been reading every one of my death threats every uh, in an Asian accent. It's like, go fuck yourself. Oh, what? And what the is, fuck? This is the guy who's been saying whatever, like, for eons. They're not clever. They've, said. They've not. They're not clever. They're not adding anything. They're not pushing anything. They're so expected from people who have those views that it, it adds nothing to make those jokes. And it's and it's safe to make those jokes when you're a white man. You know what? So it's like I don't understand. Like, yeah, you're you're following in the history of your people. Like, I don't understand what about this is pushing any boundaries. I'm 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 looking at a study of classes and so forth. <laughs> and you know what? Who is not identified as the working class? Uh, domestic labor. So women. Like a oh, lot no, of that's a really fucked up part of that. Yeah. Thing. Uh, domestic labor, uh, especially, um, home health care aides, people like that, those industries are mostly female, female-dominated industries. We don't talk about them. We don't talk about them when we talk about the working class. We don't create policy for them when we talk about the working class. The working class is getting, the only people who are getting attention in the working class are white working class men. That's it. Mm-hmm. So... What the fuck is my question? You know, there's almost no reasoning with some of these people. Like, they think that comedy is, like, the ultimate shield um, from any sort of criticism. Um, I mean, Chappelle, who used to be pushing the envelope, got too comfortable, started making started making jokes about PC culture, but none of it's really nuanced. And his, a lot of his jokes that he says is a critique of the of the culture are really just like blatantly transphobic jokes. Blatantly like 
you know, uh, homophobic jokes. And then he did that in his first set of specials for Netflix, double down on them, and did it again in the last yeah, round. Yeah, I've like, been, I haven't watched the I last know, round, I, I and I, I just... I, like, downvoted them so that I don't keep getting them, like, recommended yeah. to me. But, like, Good for fuck you. that shit. But I, there, there was an interesting um, article um, by Tarek Musa in The Guardian in, in 2017 that pointed out that neo-Nazis um, humor as a way to spread their hateful ideologies. It's not just the shield. It's now, it's you know, humor is used as a sword to hurt people. Um, you know, like Milo, Yana Um The broke one. Yeah, whatever fucking fuckface. I don't, like, you know... Don't don't even like to remember that he exists. But for a long time, and and you know, big of his career because it's really tapered off. He was deplatformed, and it seems to have finally put an end to him spreading his nonsense. But you know, he really used. He would always defend a lot of what he said. Actually, at one point, he was saying, "Oh, well, this is all an act," and it's. I just I want to test the limits of what can what we can say, and it's all in humor and, and whatever else. And and I I think that view will continue, like, people will continue to try to use that. So, I mean, humor is never, you know, it's not like comedians are, like, deities that we can't question what they say. Their word is not the word of some comedic god. Like, it has to be up for challenge. Frankly, anything you say or do, right, is susceptible to critique. Frankly, if you're a comedian, you should be critiqued more. You're producing art. All art is critiqued and engaged with. And some of it is, as with any other action someone would engage in, a conversation, a a writing a a book that's offensive that incites hatred, uh, teaching a course that incites hatred, making a... And now I'm just listing things, professions that Jordan uh, Peterson... (laughs) Making a YouTube video that's offensive. Like, all of that can be met with criticism... Um, being a dick to your neighbor and saying racial slurism and the same thing with the defense of, of you know it's a costume at a party it's parties are fraught spaces comedy is a fraught space if you know a comedy is a contentious and fraught space um, and it's about- okay to challenge that and you know it's not you're a comedian you get carte blanche to do whatever the fuck you want well look at well but that's how but that's how how racism when they're caught. <coughs> the first thing they say that when they're caught, oh, it was just a joke, and we had we had this this certain before outright, you know, you know racism. We had hipster racism, which was oh oh, oh that thing I said. Oh, I was joking, mm-hmm. you know, totally. and and totally. and that's the way they couch their racism as though it is. They weaponize it and simultaneously use it as a shield, right? Like how, like oh, you're just, you're just. It's more of that you're too sensitive. Thing. Absolutely, and that snowflake nonsense. When yeah. You turn it around and make it about the individuals receiving the comment instead of it is just more gaslighting. They said it and all of that. It's just they're using comedy and the reaction to comedy as a way to gaslight us into thinking that we're being too sensitive that's it yeah and so i'm done with it i i don't want i don't want to spend my time listening to dave Chappelle and him whining about cancel culture um or chris rock uh he's another one it's like these guys get get fat and happy rich fat and happy and all of a sudden they're protecting they're carving out a moat of mm-hmm. comedy to protect their fucking castle. Mm-hmm. 
you know? Well, and the other thing that, that's telling is that a lot of these comments, I mean, we mentioned the um, Asian Americans or slurs towards Asian American people and the homophobic comment. There were also really sexist comments. Yeah. There is there is Islamophobic comments. Yeah. And, like, there's also, you have to ask, like, when people make comments about everyone but white men mm-hmm. and they are a white man mm-hmm. you have to like i mean frankly even if he had made one comment against black people but there is like this like <laughs> racking up all these like charges like against this person like you're thinking like there's something weird here about like your obsession and that thing is that you're trying to protect your power as a white man Well, I guess that does it for this week. We'll be back next week with a regular podcast with another misogynist of the week. Thank you for listening and stay bitchy. Bye. Bye.